Hello there and welcome to the We Are Imps podcast. This week's guest is one of the biggest club legends in recent memory. He scored 50 goals for us, winning three trophies and two promotions along the way. It is, of course, the one and only Matt Reed. Matt, how are you? Very well, thank you. About yourself? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, how's it feel to be back? We're in the Legends Lounge. It yeah. wasn't the Legends Lounge when you were here. No, you essentially built this place. Well, I won't go that far, but uh, it, it looks nice. Very nice change. It wasn't here, like I said. This was never here when I was here, but uh, what they've done with the place is incredible. So, yeah, it sees, uh, shows how far the club's come on. Now, you left us in 2019. Um, we'll come on to your time, particularly at Billericay, shortly, which I know yeah. is an interesting one, but give us a bit of an insight into what you've been up to lately. Uh, so I was at Alfreton this season, I'm playing part-time, but obviously back JCB now, we're back on the tools working and uh, yeah, it's just back to what it is. I've got all their memories of obviously being here and enjoying myself, but at the end of the day, I, I knew eventually it was going to have to happen, I'd have to be going back work and stuff, so that's that's where we're at. Did it? Does it almost feel like a dream now, that period of, of professional football? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, someone pinched me and uh, I'm back JCB, but no, um, it is what it is, like... Um, you still got in in the money and keep look after the family. So, um, but like I say, the memories will last a lifetime, no matter what. So, um, with time here and previous clubs, they'll they'll stay with me forever. Go on then. Let's talk about Billericay before we get on to to so much of the time that happened here. Because, like I said before, you left us in, in 2019, and the Billericay move comes along. When that offer comes in to you and your agent, what's going through your mind at the time? And give us a bit of an insight to fair, into why you went. <laughs> It's all happened so quick. It was pre-season friendly. My team, Stoke here, spoke to Danny Kelly before the game and he's basically saying he's got another striker lined up. I'm not going to get no game time. This financial, financially viable. He advised that potentially it's, it's best for your family and yourself to go and, and get a, a last payday as it was at a time. And um, sort of basically when he's saying that I, I came into football to, to play football and when he's saying that I'm not going to be involved as much as I was the season four. Now, I was, I was sub quite a lot the season before, so um, I think it was the right thing to do at the time. Um, sold me the dream and obviously it didn't work out like that. And the big question is then, essentially give us a bit of an idea into into what happened. How long were you there for in the end? Eight weeks in the end, I think I was there. So I never met the chairman, never did anything about the chairman. Uh, so I went down there. Jamie O'Hara was the assistant manager, I think. There was a manager in place. We had a good start. I think we were second in the league. Uh, and then the the, uh, the chairman turns up, sacks the manager. Uh, and he's the manager all of a sudden. And uh, it, was a, it was a testing time from being so professional here under the Cowleys to, to being a bit of a pub, a pub team. And half the team were ex-professional footballers. The other half were just lads from locally. It was, it was all over the place and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it realigned me that lower league football's tough, tough place to be. But what a strange sort of situation because in on one hand you've got you mentioned it there before, so one last payday. A lot of us within football we know how much money particularly the owner had at yeah, the time yeah. at Billa Ricky, but at the same time you've got the flip side which is almost no professionalism whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I say, you always look back, don't you, and think, Oh, I should have done this, should have done that, but then day I want to play football and I've made the right decision for my family at the end of the day. Uh, Travelling here from, from where I live would have been d d difficult knowing that I wouldn't be in the squad most weeks. Um, and it's something like say, it was, it, the, the money they were offering was ridiculous and I, I couldn't turn that down. How difficult is it when you are 
in a in a place, particularly when it's far away from home. I know that Lincoln is in your home as well, but you enjoyed your time here. How difficult is it as a footballer when you are, whether you're traveling down every day or staying down in a location where you're essentially, you're not enjoying it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I wouldn't say, I wasn't enjoying it here at Lincoln, but I wanted, I wanted to play. Yeah. And I think Danny Kelly knew I wanted yeah. to play and he, he gave me that opportunity to, to, to leave and, um, it, th- for, for me, Lincoln, when I was here, it was yeah. like my home. Everyone treated me brilliant, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. So don't don't get that mistaken, like. But um, you won't play, don't you? You won't you won't be a big part of what's going on, no matter if you think you think you're better than somebody else or not. But um, I enjoyed my time, and even when I wasn't playing, I still enjoyed it. The, we still had success, and uh, like I say, the area was booming at the time, and uh, the success that we had was it was. Unbelievable, to be fair, unthinkable. So you get your pro contract at 28 years old at Mansfield, which we'll come on to shortly. But before then, of course, you're you're a semi-pro footballer. Could you give us a bit of a, a view into what life is like as Matt Reed, the semi-pro footballer? What's day-to-day and how much were you enjoying it? Are you able to? I think when you're young, you, you, you don't notice. I've, I've seen both sides, obviously, before when I was young enjoying it looking to move up do as best I can play at high standard possible and then obviously after when I finished full time coming back down the other way so uh, when when I was young you, it doesn't really affect you you go work at five o'clock in the morning you get home at one straight back work at five it's sort of away games that we played all over the place I remember playing Dover here on a Tuesday night and that's when we we're full time you don't get until two three o'clock um, it doesn't really affect you when you're younger but it's, it, I've always said that part-time football is the toughest football. Um, you've got full-time work and then people come in pay watch you play football at, as well that you've, you owe them the decency to put a performance in. So um, it, it, it's the toughest football. Full-time football, loved every minute of it. And then what I've noticed more during the last couple of seasons probably took its toll, to be fair. Playing, playing part-time, plus holding down a full-time job, uh, obviously, when you're old, there's a lot, lot difficult, lot more difficult. Kids as well. Obviously, got clubs and stuff in the week. You've got to think about, and it's not easy. I w- it's it's not. It, nobody's getting moaned about getting paid playing for football, but it's it's not the easiest. It's really it's, it's really demanding. To be fair, and I I appreciate everybody who does that that role. But you were paying to play at some points as well, am I right in saying? Yeah, early days I was paying uh, five quid subs, I think, when I first started out at 16, 18, uh, and then moved up and slowly got first wage pack, I think £32 for my first one at Kids Girls, buzzing, richest man in the place, 32 quid, and, and then so on and so forth. But um, yeah, it's really tough. You, you're travelling, I suppose the further you go up, conference and stuff, and uh, where we're at now, North. Uh, National League North, you're travelling, you do, and then you've got to get up at five, four o'clock in the morning and go work. It's, it's brutal, it's not easy, but I suppose if you're a football supporter at that level as well, you're doing the same sort of thing. Obviously not playing, but you, it, it's enjoyable, but it's tough. 28 years old, your, your first contract comes through. Yeah. What is that moment like for you? Well, it was a bit of a... I, I was at uh, Eastwood originally, went to Corby, and then halfway through the season... My manager, who I was at Eastwood with, Paul Cox, was at Mansfield. So he said, come sign for us. But I said, I'm still working. He said, just come part-time. I was the only part-time player at Mansfield the first season. Uh, so I went there and then we, we got into the playoffs, did really well. I think 
similar sort of thing. I was coming off the bench, doing well, changing games. And then the decision came at 28, do I go full-time or not? A lot of talks with the family. Missy's probably not up for it at the time. Obviously, it's a big risk, isn't it, with having two young kids as well. Um, but I thought, I'd, I don't want to live with no regrets. I won't give it to at least one year. If it says one year, it's one year. Kept all my options open at JCB to go back, as you, as you can see now. But... Um, yeah, it was a, it was a gamble, and luckily for me, that that season we got promoted to to League League Two. We had a really good run back end of the season, and we played Liverpool that year in the FA Cup as well. So the decision was right for me, and uh, like I say, my journey started at Mansfield. Now you mentioned the Liverpool game there, but of course you ended up beating us to get there. What are your memories of yeah. that? And I know you had a bit of, as you so often do, had a bit of a bit of banter with with some of the the away fans that, that yeah, they so, were at the time. Yeah. So I was warming up, obviously sub at the time because I was only part time. So I was warming up, getting loads of stick off the few fans down the bottom corner, and it was a crazy game if I remember. I think two one three two, to, Alan Power scored I think three two, and then last minute of the game, uh, corner cross came in, I did it in the net, so straight over to the fan, try and find him, but. Um, I enjoyed the camaraderie with the fans. It, it spurred me on. It made me want to do better. And some people will under it, don't they? But I, I find it give me an incentive to do well. Is that the case for you across the board? Because we know that you enjoyed winding up opposition players and opposition fans. Was it something that you did because not only did it harm them a little bit, but it made you a better yeah, 100%, player? Yeah, 100%. It benefited me 100% because I feel like I, I have to prove people wrong for what they, what they think and what they, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's always drove me. From even a kid, I won't prove people wrong. So, I think everywhere I've been away from home, you get stick and you get that goal. It's ten times better if if you have got that stick stuff. So, prove people wrong is something I've always had to do. So you gave the Lincoln fans at the time a little bit of stick, but it was worth it because you then you then play Liverpool. Yeah, they come to Mansfield, don't they? And what was that experience like? Which players were you playing against? And could you? Could you feel the the difference in quality, the golf? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I came on about 60 minutes in that game. 1-0 uh, down. Suarez scored 2-1, 2 nil, And bowled it in. Um, and then we got one back. Matt Green scored. And they were hanging on a bit at the end. But players like... We, we trained on the pitch all that week. Manager dig the pitch up, dig the pitch up. Players like Suarez, even like Stuart Downey, you wouldn't class him as a world-class... Premier League player, but they just didn't even make any difference to him. Storage's first game, he, he was a unbelievably quick. It was just a, a complete different game. Um, we tried to impede him as best we could, and the result probably 2 1 doesn't seem too bad, but they, you can tell the difference straight away. Digging the pitch up as well. Is that is that a was that an idea at the time where you're like, right, we've just got to do what we can yeah, do here yeah, to try and put them off? We were obviously a direct team. Um, the pitch was terrible. I think there was big swamps in the middle of the pitch because we trained on it all week. It was middle of winter and it didn't affect them really. I think Shelby played in midfield around the show. But they had Sterling on the bench. All big name players, they just it didn't affect them. Um, unfortunately, we didn't oppose ourselves as much. And that's something I carried out here with the FA Cup as well because I think Danny Cowley's seen a few times. We probably give him too much respect and when teams come here, I was saying to some of the players and Dan, we can't give him no respect and you get in the faces and the, that experience with with Mansfield stood me in good stead further down the line. So from Mansfield, you get yeah. the move. To yeah, so I was there a couple of years. Adam Murray took over at Mansfield. Paul Cox had been sacked. And he basically said, you're not going to be playing. So similar to I've, I've said previously, I, I won't play football. I'm finished 
I haven't finished uh, work at 28 to sit on the bench and watch football matches, which meant I had to drop down the league. Lee Beavers, actually, he was he had already set up a move to here with Chris Moyes. Said, oh, the manager's interested in you. Uh, so as soon as I spoke to Chris, to be fair, <laughs> he was a proper nicest guy you'll ever meet sort of thing. Come down, uh, I'll see what you think. I was like, oh, travelling's a, a bit too much. Um, and he, he sold it to me, to be fair. He, he, he basically bent over backwards, say, I'll build a team around you. And like I say, that season, I think I got 24 goals. Um, but enjoyed every minute of it, to be fair. Uh, the travelling didn't mean anything when you're playing every week, I think. Like you say, more when you're not playing, you realise the travelling's a bit more. But uh, I enjoyed it, it was really good. Yeah, what were those times like? Because the club then is was a very different and absolute, as we so often say, testament to Chris Moyes for, for what he did at the time. Even just bringing you in was, was a stroke of genius from mm. himself. I, I mean, how different a club was it then? Completely different. Night and day to where... <laughs> right now we're where we were when I when I left. I think they had like two, three thousand people a year. Um, the players he brought in there was he was very clever with the players he brought in. He brought like Luke Waterfall, Terry Hawkridge, uh, Liam Ian, Liam Ian even did really well until he got injured. Um, he, he, he was really good. Jack Muldoon, all proper footballers who who knew he'd get hundred percent out of. I think uh, so. He was clever with that and. Uh, yeah, it was a good atmosphere, to be fair. He was, he was a proper good manager, a bit old school. It's probably suited me because all the managers I've previously done well with were old school managers. So uh, it, was, it was a good time of year. It was enjoyable. Good, good bunch of lads. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Tell us a little bit about army camp pre-season. Oh, brutal. What was that like? That was uh, retirement, that was. <laughs> uh, went for three or four days, I think. It was very tough. Like I say, Chris Moyes was old, old school proper old school team bonding was a massive thing I think a few times we went we went golfing in the week to break the training up and stuff um, he just had different ideas and he, he knew I'll get the lads together but the army camp was tough we think we I think we ran for about five mile with a 14 meter chunk of wood uh, tires carrying people but like I say it was all about team building and team bonding and um, that was pretty tough. I think we, we had a game of snooker last night as a, as a reward libel. Um, it was on an army camp, sleeping on bloody army beds and all that. So it was a good experience, but not one I'd want to do again. So what was that? 24 goals in 45 games? Something like that? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. Um, that's a very, very good season. But come the end of it, an offer, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but an offer from Barrow comes in at that stage and... And it's very, very tempting for you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had a hernia from Christmas onwards that season. Uh, so me and Paul Farman both had hernias. We carried on through the season. Couldn't, rather than having it done during the season, we waited till the end. And Paul Cox, mill manager, was at Barrow at the time. They've got loads of money. Chairman's from America saying he'll give me an assistant manager's job, coaching role, a couple of year deal, security for my family. Training Manchester an hour away from my own. Ed was turned. I knew that bit up in the air of what Chris was going to do. Wasn't sure he was going to come in, how, how that was going to go. Um, so, yeah, my, my head was turned. Yeah, simple as that. I, uh, Paul Cox, my old manager, I knew I'd play every week. So, you're off. You're going to Barrow. Done, yeah. Well, as far as I'm aware, I had a few chats with the chairman. He wasn't very happy at the time, which you can understand. And uh, Yeah, it was, it was on the verge of, of, of being a done deal, I think. And then, Get a phone call. Danny Cowley's took over. 
he wants to meet me and I was like I was like I don't need to I'm I'm not I'm I'm not being viewed potentially that's that's the way I mean I had to so he said uh, too late and me and Nicky were already on our way so I was thinking oh god these two London chaps are coming up meet me we met him in a Starbucks in Stoke within ten minutes I, I was the, I was here they sort of, they turned me head Nicky the passion that quick. the passion they had I've never seen yeah it's the way they spoke similar sort of thing to the Chris most things sold me the dream build a team around you this is what we're going to do the chat we had within half an hour well 10 minutes I, I, I was I was here yeah, I was I was sold the so professional the energy that they've got I can't explain it the energy that they had for football was infectious to be fair so yeah so it's an obvious thing to say but it sounds like professionalism is a huge and has always been a huge thing for you whether it's within football or outside yeah. of football is you know, again, obvious question, but why is that the case? Why is it something that's so important for you? Forget location or anything like that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe something instilled in me that I, I think that somebody has to take something serious. I, I, these were winners. You could tell straight away. They breathed winning. And I think you even speak further down the line. This talking about, oh, if we, me and Nicky go for a game of tennis or play cards. Uh, the, the same as me. I play the kids at any sport. I won't beat them anything and I probably related a little bit to them because obviously their background through work they, they come up through the lower leagues um, so yeah it was I could see a little bit of myself in them to be fair and like I say speaking to them for 10 minutes I, I knew that was the right thing Right so the decision's been made um, first year under the Cowleys one of the biggest moments that I can remember from that first part of the season was Torquay away certainly from a fan's perspective it, it felt like that was the game where people started to talk to say, actually, we could be onto something here in terms of a promotion charge. Was that how you felt at the time? And tell us about the the adulation of scoring those goals. Uh, not at the time. I knew that the, the two major things for that season, for me at the start, were obviously we signed Sean Raggett. I played against him the season before. Brutal defender. Couldn't get away from him. They, they played a man-to-man marking. Really strong, really good defender. So I knew that was a good signing. Then Nathan Arnold came in as well. Uh, vast experience in this league, got promotion. I knew that they'd signed two good players there. So I think you're already on a high there. Um, you're thinking you've got two good players extra to what we'd already got with Chris. And you're thinking that that's strength in the team. Um, so yeah, we. I was at Adahunia um, coming back. And he didn't do much pre-season. Remember me and Mike Hind just spent pre-season and Luke Waterfall together which I've never done before. I don't like getting injured too much because uh, I don't like being off the grass, but uh, enjoyed that. It came back, first game, got, uh, I think we, yeah, Torquay away was one of the first games. It was a tough game. I think got a penalty early on, Sam Abigam got brought down, scored the penalty. Uh, also cut my head, I think, that day. Uh, Nathan Blissey headed me and in, in they scored. So went to one each, with six, eight stitches, bandaged up. And then uh, 80th minutes, I've never done a box-to-box run before like that. <laughs> I think they had a corner, we cleared it, Terry Oakridge ran down, just stood it up, headed it in and it was, yeah, you sort of realise then that we've got a team who can go to the end. We knew the fitness wouldn't be a problem. Although Danny Kelly's wasn't old school training, he, it was football-based, it's probably what it's all about now. He's probably a bit ahead of where a lot of people were in our league at the time. His training was tough, but he, he knew how to manage every player in, individually. Mm. which I don't think anybody was doing at that time. I don't think anybody was doing analysis, which which he, he did. He was really hot on, so we felt like he, the hard work that they put in give us an advantage, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
uh, and we got a win away from home. Like I say, six six stitches in the head on the way home, and that was their first three points. And not a bad one either. Yeah. Just on your point with regards to to Danny and Nicky's training, do you think they get a little bit of an unfair? Um, you know, reputation maybe across the English Football League at the moment with regards to the actual playing style. You've you've played under them for, yeah. for, for so long. You've trained under them so many times. Can you just tell us what they are like to to play for tactically as well as, you know, all the obvious motivation and stuff that comes with it? Yeah, tactically, second to none. I've never seen anything like what they do tactically. Both of them got a plan for every game. We played Burnley away and the tactic was completely different. So obviously, we play to our strengths and any good manager does that. They'll be renowned for being a long ball team and whatever because that's what that's that's how we played initially. But the attention to, to, to detail, even I, I spoke about it before to other, to other people. Uh, kickoffs, we used to practice kickoffs, like for training ground kickoff, throw-ins we used to practice. All these small 1% you score them, all stacked up to be making us a success at the time and to to say that they're just a long ball managerial outfit is completely wrong. At the time when they're telling you, they're going up to you and they're saying, listen, Matt, we're going to practice this corner for the next, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes. And it's, are you all buying into that? Are you all there going, yeah, brilliant, we know exactly what's going to work. Are you there going, flip a neck, we'll just have a, yeah. we have a game? I think early on, I think the manager's got in, in the stripes at the end of the day, start off. And I think a lot of teams, when I've been part-time or full-time corners and set pieces are a bit of a chore to be fair it's end of the say if it's raining you know, outside you're standing around just half of you tr doing it half of you not sort of get a grasp of what the team's game be a bit half-hearted but they wouldn't like be like oh, we would do it and we, we got so many goals from set pieces which was due to the work that we put in and when you when you start getting your rewards for the hard, for standing 20 30 minutes at the end of a training session I suppose you get more of a buy-in don't you so I think that's what they did and some of the things they did and in blocking people and moving people around and the way they sold it to you because obviously we did analysis first the way they showed you what what the Sheffield United were one at the time they they were really good on set pieces and look what they do and we can do bit of this and I think even England took over one of our set pieces at the time but um, no it was good like I say if you get reward for what you're doing you, you'll keep doing it won't you so I think that, that was their selling point. What are the moments in that season then stand out for you? Because there's so many, and we'll come on to the cup run in a minute, but in terms of the league itself, um, you scored so many important goals, so many big moments. I want to mention Gateshead before we get on to the yeah. Macclesfield scenes. We are running on time here. But throughout the, the league season, which moments, maybe something that the fans don't know about, can you give a bit of insight into, into what happened? Because there were so many games. Um, yeah, there was a lot of games, I think. I think we had a belief uh, that I think the FA Cup, even when I was at Mansfield, the reason we went up that year is because we played Liverpool and we weren't really, they didn't really beat us by five and six nils. It was a tough game that we could have won. So it gives you confidence into that game. I think as the FA Cup went on during that season, we got confidence and we we, we believed that we could beat any. I think I the number of games we played was pathetic, really. It was unbelievable. Six people moaning about games. We were playing one every three, four days. Um, but I think towards the end of the season, I think one game down here I remember, Tranmere, I think the Forest Green game was massive. Alex Woodyard scores, um, Raggett scores last minute, um, Waterfall gets a goal as well. And I think we're 2 0 down, turning to 3 2, you start thinking, because they, they would have gone 12 right, points. Yeah, ahead. And you'd think the season was, was sewn up. And then we beat them down here. And then 
I remember Tramia was one game we we, we won late on. But t I remember one time Abergan, we were running on empty after the Gateshead game. To be fair, I think Dan Danny Calvis spoke after the game saying these lads were gave him a couple of days off, and he'd never do that. Um, we had a couple of days off, try recharge, but. I think the desire of the team and the me the men that we'd got on in the in the team at the time obviously got us through the mentality that Danny and Nicky had instilled in us that he used to always say if if a tiger jumps out of the trees now he'd run as fast as he could so I think that was his thing but uh, yeah it was it, it was t it, there was tough games but when you when you getting late results like the Gateshead game with one nil down don't look like we've even gained score I think Raggett had a shot at the side netting and stuff but and then you turn the game in a blink of an eye you sort of get that belief that it's your year sort of thing. And the fans helped as well, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, you yeah. get 10,000 at this stadium every single time in the National League and you've got the 617 squadron backing you and you've got the fans singing your specific song as well. Yeah, what definitely. was that like as a player? And maybe, you know, how can you relate that? Well, I guess it might be difficult to relate it, but with your previous job and everything that you would have wanted out of professional football, I imagine, came in that season. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, the, the the support came so quick and so fast and it stayed as well like for for all the time I was here. It was three thousand, two, three thousand first season and then five, sevens and then when the I think when people see what's happening here, everybody wants to be part of it, which was un incredible. Everybody wants you, I used to stop down a few nights uh, a week and you're walking around and people speaking to you. You're like, God this lucky I live in Stoke because it was like like a proper footballer, funny enough. And it was it was good, like I mean the the that people wanted to speak to you, and and uh, yeah, it was really. I enjoyed the time here, like I say, and the fans were, were the reason this club got where, where it is today. Simple as that. The players play a part, but the support we got Gateshead, I think we filled the whole of their side. I always remember it switch away, um, five thousand Lincoln fans game down there, FA Cup, and you could you couldn't hear anybody else. I remember the <laughs> the only one was the Arsenal game, like twenty thousand fans incredible times for such a for conference team to to get that sort of support just shows where the, the potential of the club really I suppose really interesting you talk there about this sort of the difference between walking around Stoke of course where you're from and, and of course the team you support and walking around Lincoln you're essentially a celebrity in this city then I'm sure if you walk down the streets of Lincoln now exactly the same would happen how did you cope with that with that fame at the time I, well I enjoyed it to be fair when the FA Cup was going and we'd been on telly a few times a few people in Stoke had stopped you at petrol stations and stuff and asked you how you're getting on and, which it's like I say I enjoy I always enjoy speaking to people about football and I'll talk about football forever to anybody but uh, yeah it, it was good I enjoyed it but I suppose if I can understand why some players don't like it and but uh, I was just caught up in the success. You start worrying, I think, when nobody wants to speak to you. <laughs> so I enjoyed the time. And like I say, I'll talk to anybody about the football, that, that success that we had here. So yeah, it was good. Right, we've got to get on to the cup run then. Yep. First question, most important one as well. What was it like having Joe Barton in your pocket for 90 minutes? Well, 45, I would have said, I think, first off. He had a few shots, actually, first off. And then he just, all of a sudden, I don't know what they spoke about at half time, but he changed completely and he was standing on my toes. Like trying, I think I elbowed him a few times in the face first off, but we knew we had to drag him into a battle. But I think Cowley spoke during that week that they aren't used to having the football, so that'll be a negative for them because uh, they'd be expected to dominate the game. I think Andre Gray missed a couple of half chances, and the longer the game went on, we, we always said we'll break the game down into certain 15 minutes or 20 minute blocks and all that. So 
and when we got set piece, then to be fair, it's shouldn't have been a corner. I think one of our players edited it out, and there's a the the moments, best moments of my footballing career was obviously Sean Raggett heading that over the line, and it's chaos. It's pandemonium, five thousand, six thousand fans, game berserk, and I see some videos of people crying and <coughs> like supporters and stuff. So. It was it was incredible. It was, they they couldn't do nothing either because it was right at the end of the game. I think if you picture a game so important to a club and how you'd want win it, I think that's how it'd be. Was that specific moment something you'd practiced over time as well? Just going back to what you were saying <coughs> about the idea of practicing these these corners and throw-ins and goal kicks or whatever it was. Was that it looked very despite the fact it's right at the end of the game? It yeah, looked yeah. quite formulaic. Yeah, definitely. That corner was one that we did more than probably any other corner. Uh, stand in a square, four of us. I'm supposed to block the man, but I missed him <laughs> and pushed my man into Luke Waterfall's man. Cross was over hit because it's supposed to be Luke who's supposed to be ending it at goal. So luckily, Luke decides to edit back across, and Sean Rags, probably one of the best editors in the team, edits it straight in the net. And then you're waiting for, it felt like forever for the referee blows whistle. And it's like time stood still. And then. As soon as we ran off, I knew that they could, they wouldn't try to time get back. I think we brought Jamie McComb on straight away, <laughs> just shut up shop sort of thing. But yeah, it was incredible. I, I couldn't even explain. But a lot, it was shame because a lot of it went on about oh the Joey Barton's trying to cheat get me sent off. But the the, the biggest thing was we we won a game against mm. the Premier League side away. I think and um, at that time don't know about any other players, but felt invincible like we were getting Arsenal and I was thinking we can beat them. And it sounds crazy now. Like, <laughs> I remember reading the article. Mad. Honestly, that's how it, I felt like we were favourites, to be fair, in my head. And that's how, that's how the, the whole team, the whole atmosphere around the place. And we knew Danny and Nicky would have a plan for us for that game. But it was, it was a whirlwind. Like, looking back now, you think, crazy. Why are you even thinking? Well, that, well that's, a good, that's a good point. And it's something I want to press you on, really, is the fact that did you get a chance to enjoy it? Because when that amount of... Get Fans, we enjoyed it. I know for a fact all of the fans here were like, right, th this might never happen again, so we yeah. need to enjoy it as much as possible. But as players, how can you even enjoy something like that against Burnley when you know that on Tuesday you might have a Wrexham at home or something? We had Norfolk away on the Tuesday night. Ferriby away. Uh, and we won 1-0 at Waterfall, similar sort of corner, to be fair. Heads it in, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's... Probably like now, now I'm probably coming to the end, not playing as much at the minute, obviously, due, due to injury. Uh, I, I sort of realised wow it was an incredible achievement you see clips for the FA Cup zone and you see Raggett's goal here and there you think wow it was incredible and so uh, every so often you see pictures of like the Arsenal ground when it was full of Lincoln fans and probably didn't appreciate it at the time because you're in a whirlwind but now like you, you, it's an incredible achievement like when you see teams getting to the second and third round at the minute you're like wow it was incredible Alfredton gets a second round my team uh, gets a second round obviously lose but um, it, they, that's an achievement for, for them as well so I think when you think of it like that what we did was was in, incredible and credit to everybody I think and I know the manager had a good chat with Arsene Wenger after the game <laughs> which he was very grateful about did you speak to any of the Arsenal playing squad did you get a chance to speak to, to Mr Wenger anything like that no, anything you could tell well, us to be fair after the game I remember being really disappointed that it had come to an end because it was a roller coaster and came off the pitch, went in the change room, it was quiet, to be fair, nobody really spoke. I think Danny Cowley said a few words, just, he never used to say well done for losing sort of thing, because a lot of, lot of the lads hated losing, everybody really, to be fair, at that time. And uh, Yeah, so then Murtisake, the Arsenal captain at the time, came in and said, come in, let us in their changing rooms. 
I've never seen anything like a swimming pool in the changing rooms. Or you mean you didn't have a swimming pool? No, your, unfortunately, we had a paddling pool. We used to have wheelie bins for cool, for cold water, uh, relaxation, stuff like Danny used to press on everybody, but recovery. Um, but no, it's, it's swimming pools. It went round. Not a lot of them can speak English, to be fair. Got a bit of memorabilia signed, and that was about it, really, yeah. That's inspiring, though. Again, it's it's why you go into the profession, right? Yeah, 100%, yeah. To to be on the same pitch as some of them players was something I'd never believe I could I could possibly be in front of so many people. Um, don't get me wrong, we didn't win. and we, it, it, I think so it was a bit like a boxing fight at the end. But uh, it was an experience, and like I say, everybody, every one of them players will treasure it forever, I'm sure. So we're back in the, the Football League then, and you signed a contract. Was that something that you needed more than five minutes to think about or was it straight away job? No, no, it's all obviously that season before I knew where I wanted to be. 100% Nicky and Danny plan, belief that we can do something next year in League Two. Basically just get the job done, signed. I think signed before the end of the season, ready for the next season. So, um, yeah, no problem whatsoever. And was it, obviously you'd played in the AFL before, so for you it wasn't exactly uncharted territory, but was it slightly strange going from a division where you were literally the top dogs to, you know, almost, I mean, you, look, you weren't obviously fighting for relegation, but teams that often come out of, of the National League, yes, they're often challenging at the top, but sometimes they find it quite tough. How did you deal with it? Yeah, I think it was another challenge. I think we played a lot better grounds than what we were playing at before. Um, but I think it was a new experience. We, we obviously got a lot of belief as a team, made a few additions again, um, which was al always good, bringing players in. Uh, competition for places um, and I think yeah it was one that we we had we knew we had, we had enough about us because of the cup run against him we we knew we could beat teams in that league we can beat teams higher so we still had that confidence that we could do something well next season and we'll be looking for a top half finish definitely yeah and uh, which moments stand out for you in that season then Wembley definitely 100% there okay we knew we didn't get promotion where we lost uh, extra in the in the playoffs, which was disappointing. We should have beat Amiri really, at the post, at the crossbar, the header. Uh, we had a few half chances, but we probably weren't ready at that time for for get promotion again. But uh, to to get silverware again, play at Wembley, which every everybody wants to do, uh, and win and win win at Wembley. I don't think I'd it'd been the same if we'd lost. I probably wouldn't talk about it, but it was amazing. Or if you'd have got sent off. Yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a plan, actually. Uh, we've been saying how good the, the goalkeeper was all week. Um, doesn't drop anything. Kicking's immense. Man United goalkeeper. If we can, put one on him. But uh, didn't realise how far I was away from him. When I see a few people at work showing me clips of on, on the computer, internet, whatever, of how, how he should have been sent off. And I see the ref a few months, a few years ago after, probably playing last season, saying, oh, I should have sent you off at Wembley. Here's another yellow card. <laughs> cheer, so just totting them up but no way yeah I was lucky but I believe and I, t I tell Alec Whitehouse I'm the assist for the, for the goal he scored uh, keeper never dropped anything safety stands in the league Shrewsbury top of the league at the time drops one scruffy shot from Waterfall well, Whitehouse taps it in so definitely shook up from uh, getting flattened he, he acted like he was dead on the floor but he jumped straight back up the usual keeper trick I I'm not a fan of goalkeepers too fair so they just jump back up don't they and crack on that comes as no surprise to me that you're not a fan <laughs> of goalkeepers keepers and referees are not my favourite uh, topic <laughs> but when that referee's walking over and you're 
you know, stood there in front of, I mean, we had 27,000 now. I'm guessing Shrewsbury probably had about 12 or 15,000. When you're stood there in essentially front of 40,000 people, Mm. is it a long 10, 15 seconds? Obviously, no VIR. It was concerning. I'll be honest with you. Obviously, loads of tickets for my family come down and people had travelled all the way from Stoke saying within, was it 10, 5, 10 minutes sent off wouldn't have been a great... uh, a great idea, but thankfully, like I say, we the referee saw sense and realised the keeper was faking it and cracked on. But uh, no, it was a it was a mad mad moment, but thankfully it didn't cost the team. You're obviously a huge football fan growing up. Were you one of those that thought about football as winning a trophy at Wembley? Obviously, every you know a lot of a lot of English football fans growing up, they want to win the FA Cup at Wembley. All mm. right, well, the next best thing in in Lincoln's case was to win the Checker Trade yeah, yeah. at Wembley. That happened. Was that just another reminder as to, you know, what an incredible few years it was for you personally? Yeah, definitely. I think the mad thing was the first trophy I saw Stoke, my team win, was the, the Autoglass, which is the checker trade. So Mark Steen scores, we win 2-1 at Wembley. Um, so then when I think at the time, what a massive trophy that was. So uh, it, when, you, when you're playing at it at the time, you're like, oh, it's just a League Cup trophy. And when, when you think when I was a kid, how much it meant to, to go and see them win, pick up a trophy. It sort of relate to what the fans were seeing here, to be fair. So, um, yeah, it was an amazing time. And some of the players that, that I idolised as a kid won the tro- won this trophy. So I sort of understand what 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 it means to people. So mm. it's, it's a, bit, a bit weird that that was my first trophy. And it sort of sits nice with what we got here. So it was really good. So we'll come full circle then. You're you're now with Alfreton, am I yep. right in saying? Um, we mentioned before about Billy Ricky. You went to Borenwood yeah, yeah. after Short then. Yeah, there, playoffs. Uh, we did all right, fell short a little bit. They're all set up um, to do well, but they've just not got there, got there for one reason or another. Uh, and so your time at Alfreton, ha- A, how is it going for you at the moment and, and what else are you doing alongside yeah, that? Playoffs last year, um, d- did really probably overachieve, to be fair. Um, knocked a few goals in this season. Uh, can't, obviously can't play got a, a neck injury from years of heading footballs I think the same so just wait and get an operation and then see what the future holds you gave me a little wry smile with the, the neck injury and the idea of heading the football but that, that that's a, that's the stark reality of it mm. isn't it particularly as a target man or I'm yeah, guessing definitely. a central defender this is you know it's still a physical sport and you were playing football for much longer than just the, the 28 to, to 38 yeah, or definitely. whatever it was it does take its toll on you in the end and uh, like I say, I wouldn't change anything for the world, but uh, got an operation now, get a little cage put in my neck and see where we go from there. But uh, like I say, it is what it is, part of part of what I did. And like I say, I wouldn't change it for the world. So hopefully it will go well. And Are you back with old colleagues at JCB? Yeah, that's the, that's where I'm at now. We're JCB and Utoxeter. So we're met one of the old, when I uh, realised that I finished at Boreham Wood, was getting part-time. Uh, looking for jobs, coaching, local, and didn't really enjoy it. It was like babysitting at the time. Um, I don't mind doing like part-time coaching for for adults and stuff like that, but that's what I'd look to look to do. But it didn't come. One of my old man, uh, one of my old bosses at the time, rung me up, said, "Would you be interested?" I was like, "Not really," but I went, spoke to him, <laughs> sold me the dream. You can do whatever you want. Come back. And that's where I'm at now. Just getting through the process of moving up the ladder at JCB. So, the lads giving you any stick for for your little tenure within football? Or? Yeah, definitely. Like I say, they always on 
Twitter and looking at goals and they always show the Henderson uh, tackle, should I say, collision. Um, they always laugh about it, but yeah. I get a bit of stick, but I think uh, they, enjoy, they enjoy it a little bit, so I gave a little bit back. Well, Matt, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having yeah, you on the WOM's podcast. You are, without a doubt, our <laughs> most um, asked-for guest, if you like. You've certainly lived up to expectations, so we look forward to seeing you back at the LNER Stadium very soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much. 